Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. All right, big warm welcome. If we haven't met before, uh, we would be very good friends, I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, and it is good to have you here. And we have lots of people, new people coming to church uh, all through these weeks. So uh, I'm going to get everybody to put their hands one more time, just for anyone who's new here right now, new online. Welcome. Big warm welcome. Uh, It's very cool to be together. Um, All right, let's go to the Word. That's why we're here. We had to worship God and hear from God, and His Word is eternal. His Word still brings answers today, everybody. No amen. All right, His Word still brings answers today. And my prediction is that you're going to go away feeling hopeful, you're going to go away feeling bigger on the inside, and that's what the Word of God does. That is what the Word of God does. Um, And boy, do we need that. Title this morning is, What to Do When the World is Falling Apart. What to do when the world is falling apart. These are very interesting times. Just yesterday I heard that um, VHS is on the way back in. Strange, strange times. In Australia, on eBay in Australia, currently right now, there's a whole market exploding for VHS cassette videotapes. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it was a plastic box with reels in it, and it had tape in it, and it was a, it was a kind of a next generation from the cassette tape. And, and uh, just last week or the week before, the um, Disney Aladdin, a copy of Disney's Aladdin movie on VHS, sold for $1,500. So if you've got it at home in the cupboard, um, ka-ching, ka-ching. And so it is a weird world. I mean, why? Do you remember getting a video out from the video store and then you, like, watched it? And then this was the issue, wasn't it? Was It was time to take it back to the video store and someone forgot to rewind it. And so you got a fine. That's what you got. But then then someone, Sony, brought out a machine that did double-speed rewinding. And so that was a real gift. And uh, so, yeah, it's a weird world. And there's pandemics, and there's inflation, and there's petrol. On uh, Wednesday night, our kids came to youth, and Rebecca and I had a date night planned, and we saw something pop up on Facebook, which was a petrol station locally with 15 cents off uh, petrol. So what did we do on our date night? We filled up our car with petrol. It is not a joke. It is now an event. It, it is like going out for dinner. It's the equivalent price. I mean, the world is crazy. There's social uh, discontent. Um, I, I don't think it would be an exaggeration. I mean, I, I've sort of been quiet about it. I haven't advertised it a lot. But I have, I have actually noticed that in the last period of time, I, I think the marker I noticed at the most was 9-11. I was 21 years old. And I remember that being, like, for our generation, a significant global event. Probably the Cold War was for my parents' generation before that. Uh, Vietnam, some other things like that. But uh, for me, and I I remember that, and then I remember thinking, man, that is a big global event. People were looking and searching for answers. And then I remember only three years later, remember the tsunamis that hit in 2004. Do you know that 170,000 people died from that? I mean, that is is extraordinary. And then not long after that, not too far after that, uh, we had the GFC, uh, which, you know, ravaged uh, the financial world. Um, after that, earthquakes uh, here in our own country. Um, there's been terror attacks in our own country. There was 
yeah, things. I don't know if I was just aware of it, but it just seemed to me like thing after thing after thing. You'd just have one thing and then another thing. And, uh, and now we had a summer break, and I think we're probably thinking 2022 was going to be a bit smoother and we'll get into it. And then Omicron went crazy, and then Putin just as crazy. And the world is like, just what the heck is going on? Um, and we prayed last week as a church, just like we prayed before. I was in our city location last Sunday. It's powerful to be able to pray as a church. And it's wild to think you can pray for global matters, but we can. We serve a global God. You have to get your mind to that level, your heart to that level. Um, at the end of the service after praying, someone who was new uh, to church, who's new, came up to me and had a question, and it was in light of all of these things. And the question was just so incredible, I had to share it, because it really kind of, um, it stirred me. And, and, and I'm going to tell you what the question is, and I'm gonna, I want you to think, because I was, it was someone who was new asking a pastor for spiritual, I guess, guidance. I'm not really sure. But this was the question. Looked me straight in the eyes and said, what are we, as Christ followers, meant to do? In this situation, what as Christ followers are we meant to do in this situation? And I wanted to give her a medal. I just thought, man, that's possibly the best response I've ever heard because it assumes that Jesus people have something to do in these moments. That's what that assumes. And, and what should we be doing? Jesus in Matthew 24 explains not only the times we're living in, but also the times that every generation has had to live in because it's not just 9-11. There's World War I, there's World War II. Global things have happened. Um, he, he was talking to his disciples in Matthew 24 and they happened to be walking past the temple. The temple was the center point of the faith or we wouldn't use the frame, framework faith, but what it meant to actually be faithful to the one God of Israel, their religion. The temp, temple was ground zero for that. And the disciples said to Jesus, man, this temple is amazing. They were walking past it and they were just like, wow, architecture galore. I don't know what, what they were you know, pointing out. And Jesus takes the opportunity, I guess, to actually say, you know, guys, this is going to be a big pile of rubber, rubble on the ground very soon. And they're all like, what? I mean, if that is the center of what you understand religion to be, what is Jesus talking about? How could the temple, the temple that everything we would consider to be right and holy end up like that? Jesus, he, he makes the statement and this is their response. Well, when then will we know the end of the age? When is it? And this is how Jesus answered it. He said, watch out that no one deceives you for you will, many will come, sorry, in my name claiming I am the Messiah. Many will deceive uh, being deceived, you will hear of wars, rumour of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end, even though that's happening, the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. That's verse 8, okay? The disciples, like, like, Growing up, I've got to be honest, the more, most I really knew about that chapter was the wars, rumours of wars, pestilence, famines, earthquakes. That was really all I knew. But that's just the introduction. 
there is an entire chapter that Jesus talks about these things because the disciples would have had an idea of the age to come. Maybe they're referring to when is Rome going to be overthrown? We're sick of their abuse and their powers. When is Israel going to be fully restored? For the modern believer, our generation, we would think end of the age, we'd think harps, heaven, and disembodied eternity. That's what most we've mostly been taught since the Greek kind of influence and postmodern thinking. You think harps, heaven, disembodied eternity. But the age to come was not either of those two as a default. Um, he never overthrew Rome in that way. Uh, the age to come is what Revelation 21 and 22 refers to, where heaven and earth are finally reunited like a hand in a glove. Everything that we lost at Eden because humans got involved, it's coming back, people. It's coming back. Where you can walk with God in the cool of the day. Where you can know God and not just know Him, but you know and experience Him. Heaven is not harps. So if you can't play the harp, you're all good. It's actually a series of events that lead up to the final crescendo where finally God is with His people forever. So biblically speaking, here's some news this morning. We're coming back here at some point. And heaven will come and fit together with earth and that's where we'll dwell. So that's what the age to come is. What's the end of the age? That's what we're talking about. That's the vision. And Jesus says in that bit I read you, basically paraphrased, new creation's right around the corner, folks. I mean, even though that was a couple of thousand years he said it, in eternity, a couple of thousand years is nothing. That's like 10 seconds. In eternity. But he says the world is fracturing as it gives way, as it all comes together. So anyway, what did I tell her, the lady who asked me, what do you do as a follower of Jesus in these times? What did I tell her? Well, I gave her a version of what Jesus gave in Matthew 24, and it wasn't 30 minutes long, but um, I paraphrased it. But this is what you do when the world is falling apart as a Jesus follower. I mean, if you're not a Jesus follower here today, by the end of today, there'll be an opportunity to become one by grace as a gift. You can receive that. But if you're not a Jesus follower, this, this is not quite the same for you. Listen to it. Jesus said this, first of all. First of all, when the world is falling apart, what do we do? We are not to be alarmed, but we are to be aware. So this is what he says. Don't let anyone mislead you. You can be misled on these issues. End times was a, in America, I I read a, um, it's a billion dollar market in the 80s. There was movies and there were books and there was, I mean, it was, it was commercial. And with that was lost a lot of core truth. Right. Not really about a heaven and earth coming together, about, about would you be left behind in aeroplanes and yeah. I don't know, like there were book series. The book, first book sold, sold so well, they did 12 more. <laughs> and, they, and they sold just as well. Why? Because inside of us, there is this ever awareness that there's got to be more to this. Right. This can't be it. All this craziness. He says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, threats of wars. But look at this version. Can I please get you to notice it? But don't panic. Hey, you, follower of Jesus, you're not to panic. You don't have grounds to panic. Your world is coming together. 
While the world falls apart, yours is coming together. The glove is coming together. Eternity is coming together. It's different for you. It's different for you. Your fate is sealed. Oh, that's good. Dang it, that's so good. And then verse 42 just says, he says, but you must keep watch. You must keep watch. You've got to keep your eye on the ball. Billy Graham said this, every believer should have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. You should have in your life an awareness of what God says is true and the environment that He's currently put you in. Romans 8 says this, labels it as growing pains. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. I've been through five of them. I mean, not personally, but I've, I've, been, I've attended five of them. <laughs> is that the right phrase, Jared? Attend? Nope. Um, and, okay, so think of that. That's the, that's the word picture. Okay, so... Yep, it's, there's something great coming, but my gosh, what a journey to go through. Not only so is the creation in this birthing travail, but we ourselves are too. We though have had the first fruits of the Spirit of God inwardly, grown inwardly as we eagerly await that thing I talked about, this coming together of heaven and earth is called adoption to sonship, the redemption of even our bodies. And this is the next word language that's added to that picture. But we have this hope. We're saved in this hope. This hope that is seen. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. So we're still seeing a world that is yet to come. But who hopes for what they do not yet have? We're waiting patiently. While all this is going on, what are we waiting for? Something awesome that's to come. So guys, when Jesus died on the cross, it activated a starting point of God's new creation. It just wasn't a world event you get Easter for. It triggered. And the seed of that crucifixion, and when he rose up out of the grave, it actually became a gospel. When you heard it and I heard it, that very reality came alive in our hearts. And the new creation is spreading heart by heart, life by life, house by house. If you're an artist, art piece by art piece. Business person, business by business. If you've got the grace of giving on your life, dollar by dollar. If you've got a prophetic gift on your life, prophecy by prophecy. Every time you step out in the things of God, the kingdom's growing and the kingdom's burgeoning. Man, this is a good message. And, and, and that's what's happening. That's what's going on. And it might seem strange to you, but strange, but learning how to see that. I think that this moment has marked a moment where I think everyone needs to be aware the terrible groanings and the terrible things that are happening how futile it would have been for me and Rebecca in those delivery wards if we were just focused on the pain, if you're just focused on the contraction. We knew at some point a little baby was going to come into our lives and ruin our sleep forever. (laughs) That was the vision. There she is. There she is. You were a good sleeper, actually. You were one of the best. Praise the Lord. Not so much now, is it? So you're not, you're good when you're baby. Anyway. And, and, but, but Jesus says, I, I think of it like this. Have you got an eternal perspective? Have you, are you living with an eternal vision? Is this whole new creation, do you wake up in the morning and just think one day the heavens and the earth are gonna be joined together and we're gonna be God with God, with God, face to face and we're gonna be with Him and that's why I'm alive today. That fuels me today. If you do not have an eternal vision, I reckon you'll have a fear vision. You have an anxiety vision. 
365 fear nots in the Bible. 365 of them. One of them is in Isaiah. Fear not, for I am with you. I have called you. I have redeemed you. Called you by name. That's just one. 364 others saying, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. Why? Because you have a different revelation. You have a different perspective. Build your life on it. Don't panic. More than ever before, make it a non-negotiable that I'm not going to see the world the way the world sees the world. I won't see people the way the world sees people. I'm going to see things through the lens of God, the new creation being birthed. So what should you do as a follower of Jesus in moments like this? Is that you should be aware, but you shouldn't panic. Yeah. Second thing that we've got to do according, this is Matthew 24, according to is, is a little more challenging. And I, I, it's a bit scary, so I'm going to throw it out there. And I get scared. I used to get scared of it, hearing it, because I was like, Lord, make that. I don't want to be one of those people. But I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to flip it on itself. Because in it, I reckon, is a secret that Jesus was trying to reveal. And it says this, that because of the increase of wickedness, verse 12, the love of most will grow cold. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So take that idea and take what Jesus is saying to you. And number two, keep on walking in the way of love. During these times when things are crazy, when if your world is falling apart beyond what's happening globally, even personally, keep on walking in the way of love. Um, love is a terrible thing to grow cold in a relationship. Love is a choice. Not popular, that one, was it? There was no amen to that. No, no, Graham, love is a feeling. Well, oh, I don't know if it is. I think it's, a, I think it's an understanding I think it's a, you, you have a revelation, oh man, and then I think our feelings can kick in. But I know firsthand that, you know, when you're dating, if you've, if you've not dated before, let me explain this. When you discover love, you want to nurture that thing like it is a prized possession. Man, you take care of it. I was at a wedding yesterday and someone made some vows in the wedding, the man particularly, he was doing his vows and vows have got very creative these days. It used to just be, I promise to be faithful to you and faithful to God and you know, that will do. Now it's become poetry. It's become the notebook, but in a reduced version. And this guy, he said out loud as his vow, I promise to always pay attention to you and give you my utmost focus. And I was down the back saying, my friend, my friend, what did you just do to yourself? You know, um, I, I want to tell you the most spoken word in, for all married couples. You want to know what the most spoken word in marriages are? are? The, the number one word? What? <laughs> what? What? Rebecca, eh? she's been saying to me lately, maybe you need hearing aids. Uh, because I say, what? <laughs> but anyway. Um, but, you know, you try your best and, you know, you try and nurture love. And, and some love, it goes toxic. So I know there's people in the room and you've experienced toxic love. And so I want to say to that, that this is a different situation to that. But love that grows cold. Rebecca and I will be married 24 years in a couple of weeks. That is a long one, isn't it? I thought the other day, I'm getting old. We were invited to this wedding yesterday. And the reason I was invited, I said to Rebecca, why are we invited? And she said to Ruby, why are we invited? She goes, because you're my parents. And I'm like, this is terrible. We're getting invited to weddings because we're our kids' parents, because the kid's going to a wedding. Oh, 
That is a terrifying revelation. We did go. It was very cool. Um, but we've, we've, Rebecca and I have had to keep that love. At times it's needed resuscitating. Other times it's, you know, stoking of that love. When our world seems to be turning upside down, you need to come back to love. And I'm talking about the love of God. What I'm talking about is your first love. He said it. The love, flip the verse. The love, of cold, um, the love of many will grow cold. Flip it on its head. How, do you want, how are you going to get through this? This, birth, this birthing pain. You dial up the love. Um, 1 John 4, this is not love that you love God perfectly, but that God loved you first. He first loved you. Man, I remember, I, I got saved dramatically. I was always grew up in a Christian kind of environment, but got saved dramatically when I was 17. And I would read my Bible, and no one tell, told me I had to. There was no alert or app. There were no streaks. I just wanted, I just was like, I've got to get this thing in me. And then... It's going to sound cheesy. For a good period of time, I slept with it under my Bible. A pillow. (laughs) I slept with my Bible under my pillow. And I put my arm around it. And I know this is going to sound real weird, okay? That I'd open some scriptures and just put it over my head. I would. I'd be like, Lord, I want to get that word into my head. I did. I did do that. And I even the other night, it was quite nice. I went to sleep. I fell asleep and I woke up and the Bible was on my chest. But it wasn't because of the same reasons. I'm getting old. I fell asleep while reading it. <laughs> but I, I'm just thinking, though, that, okay, the kid, oh, the, I'm getting so old. But the, 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 <laughs> but the thing is, right, is that, that we, we get focused on so much. I, it's okay if you, like, got the headlines and the alerts and the new invasion and the new bomb that went off. But you've got to make sure that of equal or greater amounts, okay, You're coming back to the feet of the one who loves you like no one else can love you. To the place that will feed your soul. To the place, love, perfect love casts out all fear. If you've ever been through a hard thing, a hardship, you know what love will do. It will put you back together. It will never fail. Love never fails. He loves you. He loves you. That's where you want, I think, I think you seriously, even online, you want to be thinking about worshipping God a bit more at the moment. You're in control, Lord. This is a house of miracles because the world is crazy. But I thank you that you're not. Thank you that you're coming again. Thank you that this world's going to be wonderful. You know, I'm just filling my life. What what am I doing? I'm walking in the way of love. And not only am I staying receiving that love from Christ Jesus, but hey, everybody, there's an opportunity to love one another more than we ever have as well. I think the verse actually about do not forsake the gathering together of, the, of one another, but encourage one another daily, even as this time draws near. So as things get heated and more pointy, we've got to keep coming back. We've got to keep dwelling. We've got to keep in the community of faith and the confession of faith. But you get that because you're here. But love each other. Love each other. I, th- I didn't say this um, earlier service, but I said to the lady, one of the greatest gifts of love God gives us in his benevolent providence is this, that we may become a non-anxious presence in the world. One of the greatest gifts that you're ever going to give your world right now is that you are a non-anxious presence in the world right now. 
Brent preached years ago, I'll never forget it, a message titled, Smile, Smile. You've got things to smile about. I mean, it's not a smiling matter what is going on in the Ukraine, but, but the perspective that I have as I consider it all, I can mourn with those who mourn, but flip, man, we've got to rejoice with those who rejoice. We've got to just make sure, you know. Finally, it's this to finish. and um, Jesus, oh man, I love him. And I love what he says. His, his word is something special. Because he finishes Matthew 24. You know, earthquakes, wars, all that stuff at the start. This is how he finishes it, with a bizarre little story. Would you like to hear it? It's quite a bizarre little story, I must admit. I'll read it to you. You ready? Who here, this is, this is in the chapter. Who here qualifies for the job of overseeing the kitchen? Say what now? Beg your pardon? What are we, what's going on? Jesus says, now, now, admittedly, this is Eugene Peterson's translation. So, you know, there's poetic permissions. But watch this. A person who qualifies for the job of overseeing a kitchen is the person a master can depend on to feed the workers on time each day. Faithfulness, consistency, turning up, serving the master. Okay, someone the master can drop in on unannounced and always find him or her doing your job. Okay. A God-blessed man or woman, I tell you, notice how this is nowhere near as popular as wars and earthquakes and like if people are quoting Matthew 24, no one really wants to quote this. Because it goes on to say, I tell you, it won't be long before the master will come and put this person in charge of the whole operation. Go to the next one. But if that person only looks out for himself. Now we're going to get to the, this is it. And, and the minute the master is away, does whatever they please. Abusing the help. The, the pitch is the kitchen. Your job is to provide for the master whatever it is he's put your hand to do. And you're throwing drunken parties just for your mates. The master is going to show up, and when you least expect it, it is, and, and, and make, what a hash of him. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Is that actually what it says? And, and it's going to say that when you show up, and it, and it won't be pretty, he'll end up with the dump with the hypocrites out on the shivering, teeth-chattering. Basically, Jesus is saying, what do you do when the world is falling apart? What are we doing as creation groans and, and prepares itself for the new, the new world Jesus is bringing? What do you do? You've got to make a difference. He said, you're like a kitchen hand. Your job is to serve, serve meals on time, every day, to the people who needed it. Now, he's not speaking literally that you get to go and open a cafe called The Kitchen. He's not... He's not, or sell one, but he's, he's, not, he's not saying that. He's saying it's the heartbeat of it. He's saying basically keep serving. Keep attempting to make a difference. I want to tell you a couple of stories to finish. You ready? It was actually followers of Jesus Christ that started universities. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Oxford were all created by people who were missionaries on mission who weren't there to create a commercial entity, but they wanted to advance the knowledge of God and the knowledge of creation to everyday people where books and literature was not widespread. That's how that started. Someone in the kitchen. Same with public health care. The model of modern hospitals, they were actually started from people looking after the sick and needy in the name of the gospel because people weren't looked after 
that way they were, they were really ostracised. Penicillin, it's an accidental discovery which changed survival rates from sickness and injury, came from Alexander Fleming, who was a practising Presbyterian. His wife was a Catholic, and they said it could have only been God because it was a total accident that, they, that the, the things went off. They, went, they, was, they weren't even looking for it, and it happened in a lab. And they never charged for it. They never sold it. And the reason is they believed that it was a service to the world for the name of God. Just last week, a group called Awaken Europe organised a massive fundraise, and they've sent 60 people across the border into Ukraine. Christians. The reason they did it is they felt they couldn't just have good Christian sayings. They actually needed to go and be the answer. So they took sanitization, medicine, food, and the message of hope. And that's the kind of thing Jesus said that we were to do. How are you going to keep it all together? You're going to be aware but not afraid, walk in love, and you're going to make a difference in your world. And I, I can say that has always been the calling of the church, even though we think now the calling of the church is sort of to wait until it all goes off and we'll go up to the hills and we'll be sweet. No, we've got to, we've got to be like war horses. You know, war horses were trained that as soon as they heard the sound of the battle, they ran into the fight. We're meant to, as believers, run into places where others would run away from. And, and I ask the question, why is it that we don't make the difference in times like this? Well, first of all, I think that maybe what we, have, we feel what we have to offer is insignificant or too normal, not spiritual enough, I don't know. I, I'd never invent university, Graham. Penicillin's already done. And I would just say this, most of the things that God would cherish in his heart that made a difference throughout the ages, people would have never heard of, but it did make a difference in somebody's life. He said this, Jesus, even if you give a cup of water to one of the least of my followers, you will be rewarded. Cup, water. Do that, you're building the kingdom. How do I build the kingdom? Cup, water. Put the water in the cup. We had some neighbours, because you might be more like cup, coffee. The coffee machine broke down. and So Rebecca and I, for a couple of weeks, took coffees up make coffees and walk them up the hill to our neighbour because we'd heard them. We'd talk to them over the fence, you know. But, but it is so true that, like, God, we have these grandiose ideas and so we're like, we can't do it. And Jesus says, well, if you've got a cup and you've got some water, you can't not do it. With what you know and what the Lord's done for you, how could you not? And then the second reason I think that we don't probably feel like we can make a difference, because that's quite a humbling thing to do, eh? Small. You know, a text or just praying for people, saying I'm praying for you or, or making a meal, inviting them off, over or, or making a meal and dropping it off, just hum, humble things. The other reason why I think that sometimes we don't do this is simply the size of the issues overwhelm us. What, could, what difference could we make thousands of kilometres away? What, what could we do? And I want to leave you with one statement and it really is noteworthy to write down. It's that good. I didn't come up with it. A guy called Andy Stanley did. And he said, when it comes to serving God and it comes to making a difference in our world, this is how all of us should act. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. In other words, this becomes such a great solution because last count, there's about 2 billion followers of Christ on the planet and everyone's waiting for someone else to do something really big. It's like, no, what if... 
2 billion people just did for one what we wish we could do for Do you not think about the world impact? What if we were to pray for five people? Two times five is 10. 10 billion people. We're overlapping people. You just think about that. Like just do for one. I feel motivated because now I'm not thinking about wars and rumours of wars and earthquakes. I'm thinking about the new creation that's about to come. Let's get it started together. Let the church arise. Let's, let's make a difference. Come on, big or small, let's find hope in our hearts. And, and please do pray. I wanna get everyone to stand to your feet. We're gonna finish. And um, I wanna pray. I wanna pray for a um, kingdom vision online. I wanna pray for you. I break fear in the name of Jesus. The small, small-mindedness that we get into, Lord. I pray for every person hearing this in this room who watch it later, that you put such that large, huge Genesis to Revelation picture of a God who so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And He will come again too and bring to us the hope we've always yearned for. Well, Lord, wake us up. Wake us back up and help us to understand the hour with wisdom. Help us to... to Share, Lord, help us to give, help us to pray and help us to bring people to You. Help us, Lord, to come back to purpose, I pray in the Name of Jesus, that every person in Wellington watching this, um, anywhere else watching this, would feel that surge of holy purpose come into their life. We pray, Lord God, for faith and we pray for hope and we pray for love. And I, I just pray for that love that there's people in the room right now or online and your love has got a bit colder than it was. I, I want everyone's eyes to be closed and I just wanna, I'm gonna reach my hand out over you right now. And I'm just gonna pray, Lord God, come. Lord God, come and stir the fires of their first love. Let them be sensitive to your presence. Repent of sin that has caught them and weighted them down. Throw it off, Lord. Let them know that you're merciful and you're gracious. If they just say sorry, if they come back to you, they'll be running with you in no time. Let them know the arms of the Master. Let them feel those arms around them. Lord, let your presence, your manifest presence, meet them in the night time. Oh, let their power be in people's homes and workplaces. Let it mark them a marked difference for they are salt and light. And let them not grow dim, Lord. Let them not grow cold. Let them not grow off as they, as they keep walking through this life, but instead further and further on that they will be pilgrims ever increasing glory from strength to strength until they go to Zion. And I pray, Lord God, that there will be such a stirring in our hearts, such a worship of our hearts and such a gratitude of our hearts. Dear Holy Spirit, come now in power. Come and fall. Just lift your hands if you'd like a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Just, just let Him know, I need You, Lord. I can't live in this time without You. I need You, Lord. Tim, I just feel like God's gonna touch you with a fresh touch, a fresh power in your life, fresh grace, fresh anointing on you and Shelly and on the kids. Fresh, where's Shelly? Shelly, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that fresh anointing on Shelly's life and on Tim's life, on their awesome kids. Lord, on their work and on their coming and going, on their eating and just all that they do, that they'd be living sacrifices. Stand against the work of the enemy on your lives. Break its hold. Devil, get your hands off these guys. Hands off Shelly's health. I pray for total wholeness, total health to flow through her body.
from the top of her head to the tip of her toe. Lord Jesus, I command that your kingdom come and let the new creation begin in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I declare you well, I declare you healthy, I declare you hold and healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let there just be grace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Prince going to come. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.